Howdy, Ags. Welcome to Aggie Growth Hacks, the podcast sponsored by the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship at Texas A&M that is dedicated to highlighting fast-growing Aggie entrepreneurs, learning how they overcame growth challenges with creative growth hacks, and connecting them with other entrepreneurs in the Aggie network. I'm your host, Greg Martin, Fighting Texas Aggie Class of 2001. And I'm your co-host, Chris Hunter, Fighting Texas Aggie Class of 1998. Whoop! Got a little story for you, Ags. Brittany Lampier. Managing partner of Lampier LLP, which is a full-service CPA firm in Denver, Colorado, is flat out an innovator. She looked out and she saw how the CPA industry was going to change over a decade ago. And then she went about building a firm that was strategically organized to maximize technology and the power of strategic advisory relationships. Brittany is a leader not only in her firm and in her community, but also her industry. So pass it back and listen up to Brittany as she shares some good bull. Brittany Lampier is the managing partner of Lampier LLP, a CPA firm out of Colorado. And, and just talking with Brittany, one thing that both Chris and I were struck with is that she is on the cutting edge of how CPA firms have changed over the last eight to 10 years. Really be able to come in and say, okay, I want to serve entrepreneurs. I want to be a, a consultant, an advisor. I want to be a member of that fab five, those five advisors that every entrepreneur needs to have to push them towards success and to make them better and to help them achieve their goals. Well, Brittany and her team define and personify that. So Brittany, thank you so much for joining us. We are so excited to learn from you and just to hear some wisdom and knowledge that you've got today. Thanks for having me, guys. This is so exciting. And any chance I get to talk to some fellow ags out here, you know, while living in Colorado doesn't come across all the time, but I'm always excited when I do and um, love any chance I get to connect to this Aggie network. Well, it's great to see that you you are definitely representing the Aggie Network up in Colorado, and uh, we're we're excited to learn from you. So let's talk about Aggie Land and what is your favorite Aggie memory? Oh, so I mean, I was I was thinking about this in advance of the interview, and there's there's so many to choose from. I come from a long line of Aggies. My my grandfather on my mom's side um, was an Aggie. And so many of her siblings went there. She didn't because they didn't have a nursing school at the time, my mom. But um, I have aunts and uncles that were there that I just have so many memories growing up. So my, I feel like I became an Aggie in September of 1995 when I came to the A&M LSU game. It was so hot. I was with my grandfather and we got stuck in this section right behind the LSU band. Oh, and cool. So hot, but AM won that game. I think we ended up even going over towards the end of the game and watching the rest of it over in the MSC in the flag room with a with a whole bunch of eggs because uh, it was just so hot in the stadium. And but just so many great memories. I felt like that's where it just really got, you know, kind of imprinted on my heart that that was the place for me. And then of course, just in my time on campus, I, I just think there's too many to choose from, from you know, all the football games to ring day to graduation. Um, you know, and just so many little experiences there. I don't know if I can pick just one from my time on campus, but that that first Aggie game, I think we all remember where we, you know, that that experience. And that was a real special one for me as a as a young kid with my grandfather. Wow. I love, love, love that. You know, everyone has a lot of Aggie memories around football. And I actually do remember that game. Uh, that was my second year at AM. And just I remember I, I was sitting right there on the second row, you know, watching that. And it was just an amazing game. So tell us a little bit about uh, your company and uh, what you do and how you help other Aggie entrepreneurs and other entrepreneurs. Well, as 
Greg said, we're a full service CPA firm. We're here based in Denver, Colorado. So, um, you know, I came through the Mays Business School and um, ended up out here in Denver. I got recruited by Deloitte to come out to Denver and did my PPP internship out here and then came back full time. That's actually where I met my husband, ended up breaking off after we got married and started our practice. So we managed um, our practice together. And our emphasis is really around working with, we kind of say the small but sophisticated clients. Clients, whether it's a business, an entrepreneur, an individual with kind of more sophisticated tax planning needs, we really look for those relationships where we know we can invest and add a lot of value. So, you know, our emphasis is not around being just a tax preparer, kind of that transaction centric type um, model of business that's kind of been the the go-to for the industry for so long. We really emphasize where can we find these relationships that we can add our expertise to really help move the needle and optimize their position, help them achieve their goals for their business, their goals for their family on the tax side. This is obviously such a complex area and such a mystery to so many people. And so we really look to partner with those um, business owners, with those entrepreneurs that we really feel like we can help them move that needle further in their in their favor. So like I said, we kind of say kind of say the small but sophisticated clients, but a lot of times that comes down to business owners, owner-managed businesses. We do work with some larger size businesses, but we love working with those businesses that are managed by the founding owners and where we really feel like we, you know, it's their baby and we can really use our expertise to to help them move that forward in whatever direction they're wanting to. So that's really our emphasis as a practice is hey, take those relationships and let's serve them end to end from the proactive, forward-looking planning piece all the way to what we say, that final product, that tax return at the end of the year really should just be the end product of a year well-planned. But really, we try to emphasize that relationship and the ongoing nature of what we do for our clients. So Brittany, we've talked a lot with other entrepreneurs that want to serve their clients and bring value to them. So you you have a very well-defined client you know, the, the, your target. So, so how, how did you develop your value proposition? Because that, that sounds like, Hey, yeah, every entrepreneur needs to have a, have you in their life. Well, we, you know, started our practice, you know, young and hungry and kind of came out of big four. We're kind of willing at that point to say, you know, whoever will pay us money, we'll figure out how to do it. You know, we knew we were capable and we grew our practice really substantially, let's say in the first five to six years. And, you know, by all the measures we were, we were doing it. We were successful business owners and doing the thing and our revenue was growing. We were hiring employees. Um, we had a lot of demand, but, you know, as we stepped back from that a little bit, we really felt like we were missing a piece. You know, we were, we had so much work on our plate. And I think that's the challenge that so many CPA firms run into is not that they're not capable of doing more for their clients, but that they're so bogged down in the volume and chasing whatever deadline is next that there's never that hard stop to pull back and say, what could we really do for these clients? And it frustrates the clients, but it was also frustrating for us because we knew we were capable of that. And we were just constantly chasing our tails and just never really had that opportunity. And so you know, about five years ago, we, you know, kind of had that turning point where we said, what kind of practice do we actually want to be? Do we want to continue to build out this volume and all the challenges that that presents from a resource standpoint, from a from a profitability standpoint as a firm? Or do we want to be a firm that can offer more and, and, tar- and serve a more targeted demographic? And we're not trying to be everything to everyone, uh, but that we're actually really defining what is it that we're really good at and what can we really accomplish with this? And so we really changed our focus and made some very intentional changes in the way that we engaged with clients and the types of clients that we did engage with about five years ago and have continued to try to hone 
exactly what that persona is that we feel. So it, it took some intentionality because again, you know, you get so many calls in a tax season and we have to really stop at some point and say, that's, that's not what we do. There's plenty of firms out there that can Good serve that. You. It's just a very simple tax return that doesn't need anything else. That's not us. That's not what we have to offer in the marketplace. And so I do think, you know, it is hard, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, your family, you know, we've got three young kids, you know, you're trying to put the food on the table. It is, it is hard and takes again, that ability to step back a little bit and say, what do we, do we want to be this firm times three in five more years? Or do we want to be this type of firm and really target ourselves in that direction to create that place in the market as well as that legacy that we want to have as a firm, um, you know, 10, 15, 20 years into the future. I think that's amazing. There's there's so many businesses that don't do that, that that just want to serve everybody, you know, just because they can. And I totally see it in the marketing industry. And a, a lot of agencies will, will just serve absolutely everybody, right? And by doing so, you serve nobody by by doing that, right? Um, so I definitely applaud you for, for doing that. That's pretty awesome. So let's talk a little bit about this past year. And COVID, you know, it's, it's affected every business out there, you know, and since you work with other businesses, you understand it more than anybody. What has been the most surprising challenge that you faced in the past really year, year to year and a half at this point, at the time that we're recording this, what's been your biggest challenge to, uh, and how did you overcome it? Yeah, this year has been so challenging for all of us. And I think for us, it's been in a different respect than I think for many businesses. Like you said, our business is small businesses. So we have gotten to be on the front lines to see what so many businesses in so many different industries all across the country is, have faced. We have clients that we have a client that's a, a theater production company on Broadway in New York City. We have hotel clients in Texas. We have um, you know construction clients and restaurants and massage therapy you know chains of uh, you know locations and things like that that were all impacted in very different ways by the pandemic and all experienced a surge of stress at the exact same moment um, that also happened to be a fairly like a, you know high stress time for us. Here we are like trucking along in tax season, cranking out returns. And then all of a sudden things start shutting down. We've got to change a little bit of our workflow. Our clients are stressing and then, Hey, let's pass a big piece of tax legislation on us right there as we're going. So, you know, we honestly had to make a choice right then when the CARES Act passed to put a full stop on tax return preparation and pivot all of our resources to address the needs of those clients Um, that had impacted the CARES Act, specifically PPP at that time. So last beginning of last April, we literally sent out a message to our clients and said, hey, we have to stop working on tax returns right now until we get everyone that's impacted applied to PPP. And through that process, we were able to get funding of over $8 million to our clients within a 60-day period. Good for you. How many jobs is that? That's amazing. I mean, it was unlike anything I've ever experienced. It was brand new and no one had answers. So it was like, it literally, I've, I've told clients, it was like the California gold rush because there was the rules lagged people getting in their applications by weeks at a time. And so, you know, we've continued to just deal with what all that looks like and what that means through forgiveness. And now the second round of PPP, but we really re- recognized that that was going to be a need, that that was the way that we could use our skills and resources to have the greatest positive impact through what our clients were going through. And so that you know, is just an, uh, an example, but that has continued to be the case. There have been now three large pieces of tax legislation that have impacted us even through the middle of this past tax season, impacting 
the last year. And so just that sheer, the, the pace of change that we have faced over the last year, the complexity and the actionableness of that change as it relates to tax laws and relief efforts um, has been just mind-blowing. I mean, there's been times when I just have sat with Dennis and said, "This what we are being asked to do as an industry is, is impossible because it is just, there's so much of it. It impacts everyone in a very specific way. And it's still developing, like it's still developing even, even as we're dealing with the last one. And so that I would say is the most unique challenge we've faced. And obviously then having the resources needed to deliver and to meet that need has been its own challenge as well. You know, I would say, you know, across the board, resource, you know, the need for qualified resources is the biggest pain point for almost any accounting firm out there, but especially one positioned like ours. And so having the resources and then being able to deploy those resources in a flexible and adaptable way has been a learning curve this year that we're still, you know, again, kind of working with even as things continue to develop in this area. So could you give us an example of a system or a process or something that you implemented with your team to be able to efficiently get that information to them? Because it's rapidly changing, but everyone on your team needs to know. So how do you as the boss make sure that everyone is up to speed? You're exactly right that it was it is it was so much work that there was no way for it all to come from me or for it all to be kind of resident in my brain or Dennis's brain or you know even our upper level management staff. We had to find a way to efficiently get the information and uh, and and then translate that to a client in a pretty rapid fashion. So you know the the I, I kind of when I talk to other CPA firm owners, I kind of say the training ground for this for us was when TCJA passed at the end of 2017 and all the work we had to do with our clients then to help get them to where they needed to be in light of the new tax laws. We did a ton of advisory work with that around with new and existing clients to figure out what's the process that we need to take something so big and figure out how it applies to each individual client. You know, in that case, we had a year plus to do that. And this time we had a couple of weeks, you know, and really even a week and a half. (laughs) That mad dash there was for, for PPP1. So, you know, I recognized from that experience that what I had to do is I had to take it and I had to define a process around it. I think anytime you're trying to take something large and scale it across multiple resources, you've just got a defined process. And so, you know, what we did, we leveraged, you know, other tools that we had access to in the industry. But again, it was kind of like developing on the fly. And so I was able to kind of take, here's what information we're going to need. And here's how we identify which clients those are. We split that list across all of our staff that were capable of doing it. And then basically, again, took any other, you know, any other projects we were working on, took them off the table until we had fully addressed this need. So again, for me, it was about just defining a process and giving my staff the ability to say, okay, I need to do this, this, and this. I'm going to put it in this spreadsheet and then I'm going to send it to this client and let them know this. And so again, I think for us, so much of this is about process. I think so many firms shy away from this kind of advisory service model because they don't have the process around it that they have around everything else that they do, whether it's bookkeeping or audits or tax work. Accounts are great at process, but they haven't created process around how to advise their clients and how to take actionable steps with their clients to execute on that planning. So that's what I knew we had to do. We had to define a process around it so that it could be executed on in an efficient manner. And that's how we really had to tackle that beast, um, you know, last April when that happened. You know, I'm, I'm a systems guy. I love systems, right? I, I love processes. So when you talk SOPs and new processes, that's, that's mine, what I absolutely love. So tell us a little bit about your big, hairy, audacious goal, right? Your BHAG. What, what's, your, what's your five to 10 year moonshot? 
we have always wanted to continue to grow the firm to the extent we could do that without losing sight of that vision and that focus in the market. Again, I consider the clients that we serve to be grossly underserved in the CPA and tax market as a whole. Um, you know, I think there's a shortage of resources in tax just as a wide industry, but in this niche industry that focuses on advisory, there's even greater shortage there. And so, you know, most firms, as they grow, as they expand and become more of a regional presence, they're going to look to increase the size and the scale of the clients that they're serving. So they're going to move more into that mid-market space where they're looking for those bigger, you know, mid-cap type companies. And especially in a market like Denver, that's a little bit smaller. You know, there's the large cap companies, which are very few and far between. And all the big four just sort of fight over those and trade them back and forth every couple of years as they underbid each other. And then there's the mid-market, which is fairly robust, but still, again, has a lot of players in that space looking to serve it. So kind of in the, you know, sub big four space, but even in the more regional firm, we have some great regional firms out here. I would love to see us expand our footprint to be greater, but still serve that same smaller market that we have sort of specialized in because again, it is like deep and wide. And again, I feel like totally underserved. So I wouldn't want our growth to come at the expense of us being able to effectively and personally in a personal manner, serve that small market that I consider to be um, you know, the lifeblood of so much of our economy, but also to be often, you know, short on the resources they need to accomplish those goals. And so I would love to see us over the next 10 years, expand our footprint throughout the Mountain West and into the Southwest and South, um, you know, regions. And, um, but really be able to maintain that emphasis on those small companies and allowing them to achieve those goals, whatever they look like. So, Brittany, let me ask a follow-up question to that. So, do you achieve that not only through the systems that you've got and through good selection and training of your people, but is there any specific technology that that's coming along? Because I know that the accounting world is being radically changed with some really cool technology stacks. I mean, I'm such a nerd that I say <laughs> accounting technology is cool, <laughs> but but I mean, it really is very impressive what can be done. So, so I mean, it, or is that an avenue that you're looking towards? And if so, you have any specifics? 100% because again, like I said, the resources are short. So to execute on this work on a, on a significant scale, you need to leverage whatever technology you can. So, I mean, since we came into practice, that was one of the ways we tried to distinguish ourselves is by being very technology leveraged. We went paperless before, before that was cool. We went remote with a lot of our employees before that was cool. Um, you know, we were doing things in the cloud and trying to leverage all of those different things to make our processes more efficient, to make our people go further. Because again, there's just not, there's, you can't, they don't grow on trees. And so that is exactly what we're looking at in the advisory space. Now I was talking to a staff this past week and saying, you know, really, as we have sort of been on the forefront of this advisory piece, it's sort of been the analog stage of that part of the industry. There really hasn't been a lot of technology robust enough to really automate that strategy development piece of the tax planning side. So a lot of it has had to come from knowledge and from um, again, me creating systems or Dennis creating systems that help identify those types of things. There are things coming out in the marketplace now that weren't even there 18 to 24 months ago that I think will be effective tools in leveraging that and helping to automate that more so that it doesn't have to come from someone with 10 or 15 years of experience. It could be a, a well-trained staff with three to four years of experience that's able to take the information and assimilate that through a process to really identify what those strategies are. So that's very much 
readily developing. I'm seeing more things like that all the time, but really even two, three years ago, there was very little on the market there. So we have partnered with some some technology, some software companies, specifically Thomson Reuters. Um, I have a great relationship with where we really try to help them on the development of these platforms, but also be part of kind of communities and groups that really can give them feedback on what very our cool. needs are in this space to help develop those tools that we're going to need. Because I really do feel like we've been in that like slide rule 10 key world of tax planning that the tax prep industry was in 15 years ago. And so it's it's exciting to see that developing and catching up. And I'm, I'm continuing to evaluate the tools that we have at our disposal to make that more efficient, more scalable. All right. I, I have another follow-up question to the follow-up question, right? You talked uh, <laughs> about uh, uh, remote staff, right? And, and there's very few companies before COVID that were, had remote staff, much less, you know, we where we all went remote, you know, for a period of time. How many staff do you have that are, that are remote? So we have a staff of eight currently um, and, uh, you know, are at, we'll add a few more um, this year as well. But really back to when we started the firm and hired our first employee, we always had a schedule where our employees worked remotely on Mondays and Fridays and were in the office on Tuesday, Wednesdays and Thursdays. And that makes me sound like a really progressive, like great boss. But honestly, it was just because that's what I wanted my work schedule to be. I had, uh, you know, my I had one baby at that time, another on the way. And I just needed that flexibility. And I also just felt very, you know, firmly, especially coming through big four and stuff like that. Like I'm, I'm not a babysitter. Like I don't need to hire staff that I have to look over their shoulder. And that was never anything that interested me. And so honestly, that, that pattern just sort of came out of more or less the way I wanted to work, you know, call me a millennial or whatever, that that was just what worked for me. It was what worked for our family. And then I found over time that that has allowed us to attract the kind of staff that one can function well in that environment and that two see value in that kind of flexibility and that autonomy we're willing to afford them if they can produce on the work side in the way that we need to. So, um, you know, that very first employee that we hired as an intern when she was a sophomore in college is now on maternity leave, having had her second baby and is, you know, has been able to thrive in that environment as a young mom, just like I did. And that's really the type of workplace I've wanted to create and, you know, never could have foreseen then that that would allow us to make such a seamless pivot to a fully virtual environment because every staff had the tools they needed to connect remotely, access everything they need, and truly be as efficient at home as they were in our office. And so, you know, everything I described about how we were able to focus on PPP so quickly and things like that, that was simply a product of the fact that we weren't trying to figure out Dropbox and Zoom those two week, last two weeks of March. We were like yeah. ready to go. And it was pretty turnkey when that had to happen. I was very grateful and talking to other CPA owners that definitely weren't in that position for how stressful that was to get their team optimized to work in that environment. But to be able to use your experience and then turn around and, and talk to your clients through that, because I'm sure a lot of them had to go remote as well and they were frustrated. But for you to be able to be like, hey, work through it. Here's what we've learned and here, let me shave you, save you some shortcuts has nothing to do with accounting. But you're that real advisor to be able to say, I mean, you're you're like the technology whisperer to kind of help them through. Yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely I felt like an advantage that we had and allowed us to be able to kind of see through that stress and really help guide our clients through that process. You know, I think when everything was shutting down, there's, of course, that instinctive feeling as a business owner. Okay, what if my clients can't pay me? What if, you know, clients say they have to leave? You know, I mean, we're not, you know, our, our model's pretty robust. So we're not the cheapest tax firm out there. And, you know, what we found is that our clients truly saw us to borrow some accounting lingo and drop that on you. Our clients really saw us as an asset through that process as really someone who 
could add value rather than an expense or something that hurt their bottom line. They really, we found ourselves feeling very indispensable, which which was stressful at times to feel that indispensable to that many people. And for that to carry on as long as it did. I mean, I do feel like we just finished a 15 month tax season. Essentially, there really wasn't any let up, but it really emphasized for me just the value of what we do and the skill set that we bring that is so critical to the health of our economy to the health of our country. You know, I, I dealt with the same kind of stuff, you know, I, as a geek, I was the, I was the guy using zoom before anybody. Right. And pushing zoom, I had a client fire me because, uh, you know, I, I wanted to meet via zoom and not go to the, their office. So, you know, it, it is what it is. We're going to roll right now and have a break and hear a message from our sponsor. All right, here we are back at the lightning round and the Rules are really simple. All you got to do is answer the question uh, in less than a minute. All right. So what is your favorite hack? This can be personal or business. So I would say if we can call it a hack, one of the things I have found to be the most beneficial to me as a business owner is several years back, we joined a community of other CPA firms. So a peer group of about eight firms that we can all bounce stuff off of each other in Slack. We get together twice a year. And I think most entrepreneurs can identify with how isolating this experience can be. And certainly that's true in our space as well. So I would just say, find a community of people who are doing the things that you are. They're not your competitors. They're the people that can help you feel like there's a path you're walking on instead of hacking through the through the bush, through the forest all the time. And that's been a huge benefit to me. And I love that that's what, in some ways, you guys are creating in this community of entrepreneurs um, through, through Ag Growth Hacks. So what is a book, a podcast, a YouTube channel, something that you get a lot of value out of that our listeners need to check out? A book that I have read in the last year that really had the biggest transformational impact on me was called Road Back to You by Ian Morgan Cron about the Enneagram and just kind of a map of the human personality that did more for me to understand myself as, as a business leader, as a mom, as a wife, all the different roles that I fill, um, as well as the people I interact with and how to lead my employees, um, how to understand my business partner and husband even better. That had such a transformational impact on the way that I, you know, again, see and filter the information and, and how I experience the world. So something like that, um, you know, can, can really change your perspective, I feel like, as a business leader and was hugely beneficial for me. Love it. We all know how valuable that the Aggie network is. Every single Aggie out there knows everybody. As soon as you you know see that ring, see someone wearing an Aggie shirt. So is there someone in the Aggie network that you'd like to thank? It's so hard to pick just one. If I have to pick one, it would have to be my grandfather. Um, as I, I you know mentioned, he was a lifelong Aggie, gave me my love for Texas A&M and for Aggie land. Um, he and my grandmother have retired and live down there in Bryan now. So he is also a lifelong entrepreneur and really instilled that in my mom, who then instilled it in me. Um, he and my uncles run a really successful company that's also a client of ours that um, has been featured in the Aggie 100 three or four times. Um, we have our, our firm yeah. has as well. And so it was really cool for me to kind of feel like I stepped into that third generation of really fast growing Aggie owned businesses. So I've got to call out my grandfather and the legacy that he's left for me in that. But then of course, so many other professors in the Mays Business School, Claire Nixon, um, my first tax professor, Ben Welch, um, a management professor, as well as um, Rick Rigsby, um, who was a, a speech professor that I had. The, all of them left such an imprint on me. And I feel like the way that I lead um, my business now. 
Well, Brittany, how can the Aggie Network get in touch with you? I, I, I have to believe that there are Aggie entrepreneurs out there that are hearing your different version of what a, a CPA and a tax planner needs to be. I know someone's going to like, I need a Brittany. So how do they get in touch with you? Well, I'm embarrassed to say that we're not as a firm as active on the social channels as I wish we were. If they would stop changing the tax code on it, I'm sure we could find <laughs> to get our Instagram and our Facebook kind of more current and things like that. So if you look at those and they haven't changed in the last five or six years, it's just because we've been just drinking from the fire hose this whole time. But we have a website out there, landfearcpa.com. People can look us up online, learn a little bit about our firm. We've really invested a lot in that website and trying to make sure it communicates our story and what we can really offer our clients. So I encourage you to look out there at that. Um, and uh, there's there's uh, avenues there to reach out to us. And if you would like to learn a little bit more about us, learn a little bit more about how we could serve um, you, your business, um, your family, um, we would love the chance to connect with you through that channel. Well, thank you so much, Brittany, for coming on here. You, you've dropped some major value bombs for us, for, for all of our listeners. And we really appreciate your generosity and support that you've given us and other Aggie entrepreneurs around the world. Thank you guys again. I just really appreciate the opportunity. And then, um, you know, hopefully there's some, some maze business students out there that'll go get an accounting degree and come work for us at some point. Cause we, <laughs> we need good people and uh, there's no better place to find those than Aggie land. So how about that eggs? Was that some good bowl or what? There were some valuable hacks that Brittany shared with us. What was your favorite, Greg? I really liked and appreciated the fact that Brittany shared that she had the peer group with uh, other CPA firms. And, and at first thought, I was like, well, why would you have a peer group with people that are in your own industry in your own town? But really, she answered that and is like, look, these are the people that really understand what you're going through. Uh, I mean, I I know that entrepreneurship, entrepreneurism can be a very lonely um, road to, to travel sometimes, but to really to be able to have not only an entrepreneur that understands your industry, but also understands the struggle that you're going with and then how how do you overcome that and help? That was really, really powerful. And for her to be able to realize that they're not competition, I'm sure that there was some shared the relationships between them. But really the fact that she got more out of that and she had the faith and trust to learn from her peers was super powerful. I was blown away by that. What about you? I 100% agree with you. Of course, I always do. But, uh, you know, the, the peer group, I, I agree, you know, that's, that is huge, you know, huge for any business to get into. And if you're not, if you're an Aggie entrepreneur sitting out there on your own, on your own island, I highly recommend that you find a peer group to get into, whether that's EO, whether that is HTG, if, if you're, you know, in uh, IT or, you know, th- there's all sorts of peer groups out there, go search for them and you'll find them. All right. So mine, mine, Obviously, I'm a systems guy. I love. Uh, I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) I love having a great system. I mean, and not only having a great system, but then putting it down on paper of step one, step two, step three, you know, and then and then refining it over time, right? And saying what worked and what didn't work, uh, and how can we do this better? And really making sure that every single tiny itsy bitsy thing in your organization has an SOP, a standard operating procedure document that goes along with that. I had something that was shared with me a long time ago by uh, one of my mentors, Mike Cooch. Uh, It's called the process process. And the process process is simply a process for the processes, right? Because you have to have a, your, your organization needs to know how to create a process, 
you know, and how to create that standard operating procedure. So every new hire that I have in my organization gets gets a copy of the process process that is step one through 10 of exactly how to create a process. So that's my hack. Processes will save you every single time. Well, that's going to do it for another episode of Aggie Growth Hacks. Chris and I hope that you enjoyed it and that you'll leave us a rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you found us. Be sure to check out our website, aggiegrowthhacks.com, where you can hear all of our previous episodes, connect with Chris and I, and make sure that you check out the monthly hack shops where we tackle some of the biggest challenges that entrepreneurs have. And then we talk to an expert and have a deep dive into very actionable advice. Aggie Growth Hacks was produced by fellow Aggies, Kyle Ackerman and Ben Wiggins with Podcast Architects. We also want to give a huge shout out to our sponsor, the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship at Texas A&M University. Since 1999, the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship has served as the hub of entrepreneurship for Texas A&M. If you're an Aggie entrepreneur or even a wantrepreneur, head over to their website to find a program that's right for you. Join us next time when we connect with another great Aggie entrepreneur and learn how they hack their growth. Until then, I'm Chris Hunter. And I'm Greg Martin. Thanks and gig them.